First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four. I'll concentrate on the first six verses. The concentration tonight will be on the first six verses. Are these the latter days? Are these the latter days that we're in? Now the Spirit, and I want you to, that's a big capital S, that's the Holy Spirit. Speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. The word devils, King James Bible, you go back into the Greek, of course, it's uh, demons. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Now you people, and I know I know they're here, and I know I've always had folks here, and I've known a lot of them that, that want to say what you eat is what you are. That's wrong. I'm going with what the Bible says. You can abstain from whatever you want to abstain from, but God said what he said, for every creature of God is good. Now we're talking about snails, escargot. We're talking about salmon eggs. We're talking about fish, every creeping thing. When the net was lowered to Peter in the book of Acts, he said, kill and eat. And the Bible said it described it as had full of just every kind of creeping thing and animal. And he said, oh, not me. I'm a Jew, right? I've never eaten that which wasn't kosher or allowed by the law. And he said, don't you call unclean that which I have cleansed. He did that twice. God did that for like, you know, like a double whammy. That was like, you better listen to what I'm saying. New Testament's different than Old Testament. Don't you go back to the Old Testament for dietary laws. Don't you go back there and say, well, they had that for, they didn't eat pork because pork's bad for you. Hogwash. God bless old brother, the memory of Brother Zimmerman, a hog farmer his whole life. He raised hogs from birth to 262 pounds in six months. And whole life fed people. Um, for every creature of God is good. You should memorize this. And nothing is to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And then verse 6 through 11, I'll read quickly. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister. And that's what I'm doing right now. Of Jesus Christ nourished up in the words of faith, good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wives' fables. That's a bunch of the stuff that, you know, this will do this. And there are a million a million concoction wives' fables. If you do, when I had the gout, people told me, oh, if you drink cherry juice, you'll get over it. Listen, I could have become a cherry. <laughs> I went and bought cherry juice concentrated a hundred times. I drank that till I till my urine changed color. And I'm gonna tell you it didn't do a bit of good. 
not a lousy bit of good. I went to my doctor and I said, he said, quit all that. He said, you can't change. You, you're broken. Your system will not get rid of the uric acid and you're broken. And all the dietary stuff you do, maybe change your number one. The average for uric acid, your body is anywhere from four to eight. I had like 11, 12. I was off the scale. He says, you'll bring your 12 down to 11 by diet, but it ain't going to stop your gout attacks. And so I, I realized that what he said was true after a lot of uh, going on. He says, rather exercise thyself rather under godliness, for bodily exercise profiteth how much? That's good news, baby. Because <laughs> I sure don't want to do it. Oh, glory, glory, glory. Bodily exercise profiteth? Memorize that. Most of you should memorize that. Bodily exercise profit what? Little. Just a little. But godliness is profitable for all things. Having the promise of life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation. That just validated everything he just said. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. And that's where it's all at. Who is, boy, this next verse. This next phrase destroys Calvinism. You may be a Calvinist here tonight. I'm going to challenge you to somehow explain this away. Who is Jesus, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. That means he's the Savior of the lost, but they just won't believe. Uh, Jesus' blood was enough to save every human being ever born, took a breath, was ever accountable according to that verse. But they won't believe. Jesus knew that they weren't going to believe in majority. He said there will be the way, and it's a hard way, and there are few that would be the fine. And he knew that his blood would not redeem the majority. He knew that. But it could have. It's, it was efficacious enough to do it. And his blood was, was that way that, Calvinist says that the blood of Christ only was for those who were predestinated and chosen before the world began. But no, no, that verse says not so, and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. These things command and teach. Boy, that's some authority there now. There's a huge group of Christians today act like there's no such thing as demons. Brother Bill, why do you say that? Well, because in all the years that I've been around folks, with trouble, and you go look at our you go look at our uh, prayer sheet on Wednesday, and you see all those. There's a lot of trouble on that list. There's lots of trouble. Uh, you never see one. I don't know if I'm not sure even one time we've ever put on there. So and so's got a demonic problem. I have heard of fancy dancy words like bipolar manic depression epilepsy but never do I hear anybody say that's demonic did you know people that are deaf and dumb can be demonic you read the Bible right um, out of all that I all the sickness and problems that I, that I see <clears throat> Almost never do I hear anybody blame spiritual forces of this world. But when I go to the Bible, and I read the Bible factually in Matthew through the Gospels, Matthew through John, 
25% of all the healings that Jesus did involved direct demonic power over the victims that he, over, that he commanded the demons to be gone and they, they were healed. In other words, their physical ailment was associated with a demonic power. Do you, you, you all agree with that? I'm not trying to push anything down your throat. I want you to understand this is what the Bible, in good conscience, this is what the Bible says. <clears throat> now, if it was that way in the first century, how much more is it that way today with all the superfluity of naughtiness? And I like that terminology. By the movies and by video and by TV, which those folks did not have, uh, the chainsaw massacres and people reveling in bloodshed. That's demonic. It's demonic. God hates violence, really he does. Rarely do I ever get a call from a Christian and ask me to come over and pray over their ailing friend or spouse or child to help cast out a demon or pray out a possible demonic power or influence causing the problem. Rarely do I hear that, if ever. And I'm not advocating a demon under every rock. I think you, there are people who go way, way past where they ought to go. Remember, only 25% of what Jesus did was with the demonic power. The other 75% seemed to be physical things that, that were what they were. But the Bible does give the, the powers, spiritual powers of evil a certain amount of credibility, recognition in areas of life as causing problems. So let's look at this a little closer. Let's go back to the text in 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to do an exposition of the first six verses here, a little explanation. Verses 1 through 3, we see the facts. Verses 1 through 3. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. The latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. This is explicit information. It's expressly that we need help to survive. The world does not know this, by the way, because this is revealed by the Spirit. The Spirit speaketh expressly. The world has no idea what's going on. I don't expect a psychologist or psychiatrist to have a clue about what I'm talking about tonight, because they don't. Most 90% or so of them are unbelieving. Suicide rate among them is very high because they have no solutions. All they can do to help you is blame somebody else around you. Circumstantial psychology blames everybody around. Somebody around you didn't do this, should have done that. Mom and dad were failing. Da, 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 da. It's worthless. Uh, the Bible doesn't go there at all. The Bible goes on personal responsibility for your choices. And nobody's got a perfect parent. How many in here ever had a perfect parent? I don't see one hand. How many in here can remember when your mom and dad failed? Everybody, nobody, I, yeah. Don't, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your, hand. your parents are always standing. I mean, but uh, my mom and dad, man, they struggled all kinds of ways, all kinds of ways. I've confessed some of their sins. Unanimously, it seems like, as I read, believers in our time believe that we are in the latter times, that this, what we're living right now is some of the latter or last times before the rapture or the tribulation. That seems to be the overall opinion of theologians 
about anywhere in the world. That I'm talking about fundamental Bible-believing people. Now, I'm not talking about liberals. Uh, if you think about it, the reason for that is there have never been times like these in the history of the world. Now, what I mean by that, but after the flood, we don't know what went on before the flood. We don't know what went on. We don't know how advanced those people were. I know they lived to 900 plus years old. They did not have the curse of sin. The degeneracy of the uh, gene pool was not as bad for them. It makes sense because things tend to reproduce and create errors. They reproduce. They were pretty close to the first couple. And even though they had the sin nature, they lived a long time telling you that they had that's definitely not the troubles we have. Our life expectancy is 72, 74, 75 maybe. And uh, the, the diseases and stuff they didn't have. They had time. Uh, you know, the Bible says Adam named the animals. I mean, he was as smart as you're ever going to get. He was probably the smartest person who ever walked the planet. Uh, he named all the animals. He, he, I mean, how can you do that? I mean, how do you come up with that? Well, that's because he was real smart. And then people after him were pretty smart also. And I don't believe, I don't be surprised what happened. I wouldn't be, nothing would surprise me if you told me they sent somebody to the moon, I wouldn't be surprised about that. I would say, it's, hey, who knows what they did? God don't let, it, let us know. He buried them 14,000 feet under the ground and we came to church tonight on them. Called gasoline. But there's never been times in history since the flood that we have the things that we have that in recorded history. Travel <clears throat> has never in recorded history since the flood been like it is today. Imagine what day you live. Do you know, it was just, I went to the Wright Museum. The Wright Museum, you know, those are the first two guys that, you know, I don't know if they were the first two guys, but they were two guys that kind of figured out how, they used to study birds, and they, I went over to the Barrier Islands where the museum's at, Phenomenal little museum, and 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 they go to the beach where the wind was real high, and they were smart enough to know you have to fly against the wind. You know, if you notice a bird, he'll find out which way the wind's blowing. He'll take off that way. Well, man, if a bird's that smart, and they only got a little small brain, surely we would be that smart. So they got that thing into the wind, and they woo the first flight, you know, and it was phenomenal. Um, how far have we come since then? Get real. Get real. I mean, we're flying supersonic. We fly around like it's nothing. Some of you people fly back to have to have a little doctor's appointment or something. It's, it's so common. I think I got a doctor's appointment. I'm just going to fly back there and fly back. I'm like, wow. I mean, I flew to Bismarck. Bismarck's a three-day hard drive, hard three-day drive, 2,500 plus miles from my house. But you can fly there in five hours, walk out, step out of the plane, you're there. Fly Chicago, hard drive from here, 1,350 mile. It's a two-hour flight. Fly to Detroit, hard drive, two-hour flight. That's not supersonic. That's sub-supersonic. That's 500, 550 mile an hour. But how about if we developed even further this, uh, you know, 1,400 mile an hour stuff and 1,200, which they've already done it. But we are I mean, sending people to the moon in the 60s. Landing them on the moon. It was not a scam. It was a real deal. Travel. Visual input. What about visual input? Are these the latter times? Visual input. 
since the early turn of the 1900s, since the turn of, in the turn of that century to today, what, in, in my short lifetime, I used to have visual input of uh, what they called a, a VHS. I remember when they came out with VHS, I had preachers get up in the pulpit and say, America's going to be destroyed by this technology. You know why they said that? Not because they were bitter. They said that because for the first time, you could watch in private, well, since 8mm film, you could watch in private without accountability. Going to a movie house has accountability. There's a lot of other people there. People, if you go to the movie house, you'll see half the members of gospel. No. <laughs> but I mean, there's accountability. But at home, he said, he, my preacher was right. He said, this is going to destroy America. Because it would lower the morals. I wasn't talking about so much of the unsaved. He was talking about the saved people. Then they made it more convenient. They put it out on a, a little disc. And then they made it, now they've made things like Netflix, where you just download the stuff. And, and you can, then they got the iPhone and, and the phones where literally the whole world, a uh, bank of the whole world's knowledge is in Siri's hands. Hey, Siri, show me this. Hey, Siri, show me that. Hey, Siri, get me this. Hey, Siri, get me that. And she'll go anywhere in, anywhere in the world. Internet's covered the planet. Are we in the latter times? That's a question. TV, movies, recorded sound, pictures, internet access. Then I go to weapons. We've never had weapons of mass destruction, as far as we know historically, that could destroy the entire world. One submarine can possess 190 nuclear hydrogen warheads. One submarine. 190. But said I saw a show the other night where it was talking about the submarines, that one submarine could, according to the show, could pretty much destroy the world or the most part of the usable part of the world. I think we have eight of them or more. Nobody quite knows where they're at. How about the advances in medicine? <clears throat> we have people have heart attacks. They go in and they cut the chest open and take veins from other parts of their body and they bypass the clogged up vein. They put a new vein in them. Oh, they stop their heart and stop, they, do, they put them on a lung heart machine. Stop their breathing and stop their heart for what? Two hours while a machine keeps them alive and then puts them back together. Oh, by the way, it lowers the temperature of the body into the 60s. And, and does all that without losing your brain? Phenomenal. Brain surgery. My dad had a tumor in his brain, big as my hand, top of the brain. They went in there, took a plate out of his brain, took the tumor out. His, his literal one side of his brain had been pushed down by that tumor. Pushed down. When I looked at the MRI, I just simply couldn't believe it. One side of his brain was about, should have been that tall, was about that tall. And he didn't lose anything. As far as I know, he didn't lose any activities with his hands or any with his... They went in there and took that out. Technology has never been like this before. Um, now they're talking robots. <laughs> Transplants, chemistry, chemically what they're coming up with. Never before. Electricity. Tonight we enjoy casually, maybe cavalierly, uh, we just turned the lights on. But, but C.A. Spurgeon had, they burnt oil. They burnt uh, whale oil. And that's why that thing burnt down. 
Almost everybody that ever burnt, uh, built a building back in the 1800s seemed like eventually somebody knocked one of them over and the whole thing burned down. Uh, when we have solar energy, windmills, uh, big windmills out, out west, uh, never, like never before, space travel, Hubble telescope. Didn't you love it when they sent the Hubble telescope up there and it was out of focus? Do you all remember that? Oh, we're big, tough, and brave. You know, we send that Hubble telescope up there, and we're going to see the universe. And, and they, they didn't test it? And brother, you're a scientist. How can that happen? They didn't test it? It's out of focus. And for a while, they thought the whole project was scrap, shot. And they went up there and put a correction, like put a pair of glasses on it. I think that's what they did. Put a pair of glasses. Work. See, inventions of all kinds still going on, unique to history. Are we in the latter times? Well, thousands of years, historically, things remain pretty much the same. Beside the wheel, invention of the wheel and other stuff, nothing much changed. But in the last 200 years, there have been inventions exponentially exploding and accelerating in rate. And if you don't believe me, you can get on the Internet and find out how much that explosion really is. They'll give you statistics on how fast Things are changing in what has gone on. So I believe, no doubt, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time, the latter days. Daniel's prophecy, the angel showed him the future and gives him this chip in, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Boy, that bothered me right there. Daniel got to see stuff it wasn't allowed, we were not allowed to know. And of course, the question comes up, what did Daniel see and what did he hear and know that was so powerful that it would change? If people, if people, if we knew it, it would change the course of history in some way or another. He says, seal the book, even to the time of the end, and many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Have you ever looked at the flights, uh, each flight making a line on the world, how many flights happen in one day? How many flights happen in a week? How many flights happen in, in a month? It's literally mind-boggling. That's why when you get a disease like the coronavirus, they get concerned because of why? Travel, travel. People want to travel, travel, travel. And that's a, this is unique. So even, even secular, secular authors are coming to some sort of a agreement that there is some sort of a climatic a collapse or a catastrophic event coming. Now, I don't think that they're right in what they're saying right now, but uh, I know one thing, that in the last times, men's hearts will be failing them for fear of what's coming on the earth. I know that to be true. So there's something that they're going to see in the latter times that's going to cause her almost to have a heart attack because of the fear it brings to them what's coming. Is it going to be a meteorite that Hubble will see coming and it's going to be a dead-on hit? And, oh, we're all going to die. They make movies about that, amen? Did you notice the movies Hollywood makes about the end of the earth are dismal? Dismal, dismal, dismal. Dismal, dismal, dismal. There's this man, Malcolm Muggeridge. Uh, he wrote a book on, uh, for, he wrote an article for Punch Magazine in Britain. 
and now prominent Christian spokesman, uh, details several symptoms of a collapsing civilization. In fact, he gave five symptoms after he looked at the major civilizations of the world in history. Here's five things he saw happen. Number one, he saw a breakdown of law and order. Now this ought to go bing, 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 bing. What are we seeing? We're seeing a breakdown in law and order when illegal is not illegal. That was number one. Number two was a break, uh, um, an excessive interest in eroticism. That is, a rise of widespread immorality and fascination with sexual illicit things. Number three, an excess need for excitement. In the collapse of the Roman Empire, this was, this was given to them by gladiatorial games in their Colosseums. By the way, everywhere the Romans went, they built a Colosseum, first thing. The fourth thing was a, the, the, a, an enormously complicated structure of taxation and an overburdening administration of government. In other words, government just keeps getting big. Who ever takes laws off the books? All our, our people, they make laws and make laws and make laws, but brother, they ought to be like my house, first in, first out. Amen? If you bring a pair of shoes in, a pair of shoes comes out. All the men said. <clears throat> you bring a new dress in, an old dress goes out. You bring, oh, bring in some more dishes, old dishes go out. Not our government. We just keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. There's an over, we have way, Reagan was right. We have too much government. Too much taxation. Too complex. Why, when they did that big taxation simplification, my accountant scratched her head. She said, this, if this is simplification, I'd hate to see, I'd hate to see it get complicated. The fifth thing is excess and pervasive. You'll love this one. I would have never guessed this. Excess and pervasive boredom. Boredom. With all this exciting adventure and inventions and adventure, and oh, we can do things we've never done. We can fly. We can ride in vehicles. We can. People are bored out of their mind. You know why? Materialism. Materialism will not satisfy. It will leave you, it will leave you extremely dissatisfied. Because after you get the things that you think are going to make you, they don't make you. <clears throat> and they become a burden to you. And so those were the five things. Now you can almost sense something in the air uh, going on. Globalization, this talk of one world government. Um, Israel's a nation, 1948. China is a world power. Uh, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, then in the latter times, I believe these are it, some shall depart from the faith. So what will happen? <clears throat> the word depart means instigate a revolt. <clears throat> instigate a revolt. What we're having among Christianity is a revolt. <clears throat> Do not try to, don't sit there and mark me off because I'm old. What we're having is a revolt against fundamental Bible-believing Christianity. The, the average megachurch of today 
is very little Christian and a whole lot world. And I'm not saying that because I have any axe to grind. I would that they all loved God and were fundamental, Bible-believing, soul-winning. You know, I would. But they're not. And they're misguiding and leading astray a whole generation of people. And they are normalizing what God hates. Are you listening to that? They are normalizing what God hates. God hates rock and roll. It's of the devil. It's from hell. And it never, it, it absolutely appeals to the flesh. And if you, re, if you know anything about the Bible, you know Romans talks about the flesh in a very disparaging manner. You cannot please God in the flesh. The things of the flesh do not please God. Don't you allow them to normalize. Just because it gets widely accepted does not make it right. Because in the last days, in the latter times, he said things are going to happen like this. There's going to be, men will depart from the faith. They will, they will instigate a revolt. The word change, fall away. That's coming all across America. Men and women are instigating a revolt in, in the church. There's a rejection of established accepted music. There is a rejection of biblically prescribed preachers, replacing them with divorced preachers. All over this area, uh, the preachers are, are senior pastors of churches that are divorced and married again. Now, God forbids it. I don't have to, there, there's no argument that I've ever heard would even begin to touch the, ex, the simple, clear explanation of the Bible there. A husband and one wife, that means one, the only and anybody that's been divorced knows that they'll say, this is my second wife or this is my second marriage. Uh, don't, you don't explain whether the divorce was good, bad, or ugly. You know that this been, you've been married to two women or three women or four women or four men or five men. And when it says husband of one wife, it means husband of one wife. By the way, that also indicates something else. Husband. There's no place in the Bible for women in the pulpit. I do not care how much, how many people follow Joyce Meyer. I do not care about that at all because I care what the book says. I'm going to be judged in front of Jesus by the book. And so, but you don't know, Pastor, how many people Joyce Meyer has helped. You don't know how many people she's reached. You don't know how many people. Name who you want to name. That's pragmatism, all that you've just said. And pragmatism is not of God. Principle-based decision-making is of God. God says principles of truth that never change whatever the culture does, whether it works or whether it doesn't work. Pragmatism gives something value by if it works or not. Ah, don't, don't get there, man. If that's the case, you're going to end up way, way left of where God is. Oh, it works. That doesn't make it right. We want to do right here at Gospel Baptist. We want to be pleasing to God here. We want to do it his way, not the world's way, or if it works. And because, uh, boy, I hope you got that. I hope you biblically are smart enough to understand that. There's a rejection. There is a, there is a revolt going on in that area. There's a rejection of biblical separation from the world. Preaching there's no rules. Under grace, uh, they call it the grace awakening uh, theology. It's, it's, it's from hell. It's not the Bible. There's a revolt going on in the rejection of the doctrine of the free will. That's under Calvinism. 
and that's been going on for a long time, uh, about a couple hundred years or so, uh, somehow replacing the free will with fatalism, which is a, a synonym to Calvinism. And so there's a, there's a uh, doctrine after doctrine are being attacked, and there's a revolt going on, just like the Bible says. They are instigating revolt and calling it revival. They call it revival. I had somebody come to me years ago and they said, Preacher, we're having a revival among our youth. I said, really? What's going on? They described it to me and I said, that's not revival, brother. Uh, back when I was raised up, they would have been, they would have been, uh, not, they wouldn't even be allowed to come to church with that kind of behavior. Wearing those kind of clothes. Uh, doing those kind of things. It's what the world is. So who's giving, the question I asked then, logically, who's giving these ideas to these people? Well, verse 1, it says, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils or demons. Seducing spirits means imposter or misleader. Doctrine of devils means teachings of demons. And so and it doesn't surprise me that the demonic forces are trying to get us to be polluted to a place where God judges us. Satan won't have to judge us. God will judge us for falling away. Also, it says in Thessalonians, before the last time, before the coming of Christ, uh, there'll be a great falling away, apostasia. And, of course, we see that as, as, this, as we look. By the way, because what I'm talking about tonight is not America. It's worldwide. It's not just the United States. It's worldwide because communication is worldwide. Internet is worldwide. So what happens in the United States also goes to Africa, also goes to China, also goes to South, Af South America. It becomes a worldwide movement than before it would not be so. So it's caused by seducing spirits. Seducing means uh, able to convince you. Very, very convinced. I don't believe you can sit across a table from the devil and win. Are you with me on that? If the devil came in and says, hey, I want to talk to you, Bill, and I want to tell you, I don't think you're going to sit across the table from him and win an argument. Unless you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is the only one that could stand up to the logic, false logic, and false reasoning of the wicked one. Here's what the Bible says about him. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9. The great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and the angels were cast out with him. His specialty is misleading. His specialty is false information and partial truth. Uh, preacher, people are getting saved. People are getting saved. And that's supposed to justify all of the anti-biblical behavior. If you're a principle-based person, that doesn't move you at all. If you're a pragmatist, you're convinced it must be right because people are supposedly getting saved. First of all, I don't know if people are getting saved or not getting saved. They may be making professions of faith. And like Paul, I can rejoice in somebody getting saved in whatever kind of situation. Now there in Galatians, he says some get saved out of strife, some get saved for other reasons. But I rejoice that Christ is preached. Now I can rejoice that Christ is preached rather than Muhammad. Right? I rejoice that Christ is preached rather than Muhammad being preached. But I don't rejoice, rejoice in the way 
that it's, it's handled to misguide even a new believer because it will deeply uh, damage the new believer as he tries to walk with God. If not, harden their heart towards God. And so we see that according to this verse, verse 2, it says they speak lies and hypocrisy having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I watch a little bit of Christian TV and I am amazed at what these guys get up and say. I thought, I would shiver in my boots if I ever talked about God like that. God just told me that you should give on MasterCard $1,000. Somebody out there, God's talking to you right now. Oh, my brother, such cheap tricks, such wickedness. Uh, I had a guy get on TV one time and said, hey, I believe God's telling me right now, somebody out there has a stomach ache. Right now, you have a stomach ache. And, I'm, I, and, and he you know, said he was going to heal. Brother, if you get 50,000 people listening to you, there's going to be more than one person with a stomach ache. That's just cheap shenanigans. And it always goes down to please send in some money. Please send in some money. And I'll send you this little player, prayer rag that I prayed over, and this rag will help you. If you touch it, you'll, you'll be better and all that. And then, then there was those guys that if you, if you can envision it, you can have it. You know, I forgot what they call that. Um, uh, well, anyway, it, you, I went to a guy's house at our church, and he had a picture of a big yacht up on his refrigerator. And I thought to myself, you must not have voted much. You must not have voted much because nobody would want a big yacht. They're really expensive to take care of and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So he had a big yacht, and he says, I said, what do you got that on there? He says, I'm imaging, oh, positive imaging. He says, I'm positive imaging that, yeah, because I'm going to think it, and God's going to give it to me. And it's not the book. It's not the book. Those are doctrines of demons. They forbid to eat certain foods. We already know that happens in, under Catholicism. But I don't think it's just in Catholicism. I think it's in the Baptist church. I hear way too much about, you know, and, and hey, I quit eating red meat, uh, and I've stopped having headaches. You know what I'm saying? I'm good with that. But I don't tell you to quit eating red meat unless you got migraines. You want to try it? Give it a shot. But I'm not saying the meat's bad. There's a difference. I'm going around telling everybody you've got to just be like I am on that. No way. I'd crawl on my belly like a lizard if my headaches go away. But the idea is putting food above God. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Eating meat on Friday, perfectly fine. Seventh-day Advents, the Mormons, the Hindus, and some other ones do that. And so we see, are we in the latter times and what's going to happen? There's going to be all this kind of stuff. The church is going to be in a, a state of falling away by majority. It's not going to be a big revival and then Jesus come. It's going to be a declension and then Jesus is going to come in the rapture and begin the tribulation period, which is coming on this earth. All I can tell you from this passage is something's coming. A storm is coming. And I believe, without a doubt, that we're in the latter times. Now, is the latter times 100 years? Is it 50 years? God's not really big on time, you know? Seven years is not a long time for Him. 
A hundred years is not even a long time for him. I don't know when the rapture is going to come, but I know the Bible tells me to be ready every minute of the day. Lift up for your redemption draweth nigh. Lift up your head. The fields are white unto harvest. Be ready right now. Every day you get up, be ready. Today may be the last day of the rest of your life. Or is it the first day of the rest of your life? Well, it could be either. We'll be ready. Well, may God help us. I, I think I've thrown enough to get you to think a little bit this, this evening about these things. I like what he says here. Therefore, we labor and suffer reproach. They're not popular because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those of them that believe. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for these folks. Thank you for their kindnesses and their service to God. Pray that, Father, that you'd help us not to be deceived by the deceiver. That, uh, Father, that we would help folks go back to the Bible and get their information from the book, not from what's popular, not from what even may be working, but go back to the book and stay with the truth, the doctrines that have been almost now 2,000 years established. Father, we know the very essence of truth is it does not really change. Father, we pray we not walk over verses uh, to do something pragmatically that works. We would not ignore parts of the Bible because maybe it would pragmatically work. Help us to stand by the truth and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.